We've looked at the attributes of God, his omniscience. He knows everything. He knows when a sparrow falls, when a hair of your head falls off. He's got to be busy with some people more than others. <laughs> because I keep coming out. I have to keep cleaning that comb or brush out with all those. Anyway, he knows. And you see, why would he? He knows that, you see. He's holy. And if we realise the burning holiness of God, we would change our minds about what we think about him. He is just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus. How can God, as we looked at, justify a sinner and yet still be just? Well, the Bible tells us how. <laughs> Through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a God of love, another attribute. A God of love. He's true. What is truth was declared <laughs> when Jesus spoke to Pilate. And Jesus basically said, Truth is standing right before you. <laughs> I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is free. But he's not free to sin because that would be a contradiction of his other attributes. And we looked at that. And you know, he has made us in his image. And we are free to make our choice. But there are consequences to choices, aren't there? We know that. We learn that in life. And there are consequences for eternity. And so he doesn't impose and override the free will of man. He says, this is your choice. You make it. That's a good God. He's not a dictator, though he gives the warnings. He's om omnipotent. That is all powerful. <laughs> in six days. And... He only did it in six days. He could have done it in a minute. <laughs> Created the world and the host of the heavens and the third heaven. You know, there's this heaven, the atmospheric heaven. There's a starry heaven. And then there's the third heaven. It talks about it in the Bible. And he made them all in a, with a spoken word. The Lord Jesus, he was the one speaking. He's infinite. He's eternal. Never had a beginning, never has an ending. He lives in the ever-present. Try to get that. <laughs> we can't. Humans with a mortal mind can't grasp that. Scientists can't grasp that. Put a wall up out in space somewhere and there's nothing after it? No. There's still something after it. Even though, as I said, my science teacher tried to explain infinity. Immutable, that means he doesn't change. Oh, well, God, just for me, change. You know, break the rules for me. <laughs> no, we all are sinners. We all have to be saved to enter into heaven. Um, <clears throat> he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present. You see, we think of in human terms. We're here or we're there. We're not here and there. But he is here and there and everywhere. That's why he sees all that goes on, all that we say, do, and he knows even what we think. He's sovereign. We looked at that and we, we balanced that on the free will of man too. He is wrath. So each of all of these attributes balance each other out. 
and he is gracious. But this morning we come to, we've looked at all them, <clears throat> we come to his, his long-sufferingness. Long-suffering is that quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation, which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger and is associated with mercy. A long-suffering person is patient despite being annoyed or insulted regularly over a long period of time. The experiences of life have a way of teaching us to be long-suffering. Some people are born not very long-suffering and not very patient. I pray that you're not one of them and you have to put up with yourself <laughs> in that manner right through life. <laughs> but a long-suffering, patient, forbearing person will be a nice person to be around. That's just the way it is and we enjoy their presence. God is this way. Other words associated with long-suffering is patience and forbearance. The main speaker down there, David Thompson, we found another David Thompson. I think that's three now, isn't it? Okay, I think we're talking about that, that we know. And, and, and David Thompson from Wagga was down there too. The preacher at the NBF, the main speaker in the evening, made mention <coughs> of an elderly, long-suffering, patient pastor who was asked... How do you keep forgiving people and their offences and their offensive behaviour? And the, the pastor was surprised. He said, I don't. You don't forgive them. And listen to what he then said. How? How can, how can you, you know, this is not biblical. You're supposed to forgive. He said, I don't get offended at their offences, so I don't have to forgive. Now, that's a good way of looking at it. I hadn't heard that way before. Yeah. We're so long-suffering. Now, God's not going to let us off the hook. <laughs> okay, you're long-suffering and I can... Uh, and he'll turn a blind eye and ear to us. No. <laughs> but it's a way to, to live peaceably with one another that we be long-suffering. God has been putting up, forbearing and patient and long-suffering toward man for how long? You know your Bible? How long? I don't care what the evolutionists say and what the theorists say. The Bible says, you know, we still swear on the Bible in court, don't we? And they still read the Bible in Parliament, though they'd like to get rid of it. The Bible says we've been here for how long? 6,000 6, years in 1996. What does the Bible say the number of man is? Six. Time's up, folks. We've had 6,000 years to get right. <clears throat> I pray that we would. God is long-suffering. The Saviour's long-suffering forbearance. In the book of Exodus, back in chapter 32 of Exodus, let's pray just before we look at these few verses. Our Lord, we thank you for the record in Exodus and Numbers and right through in from Genesis to Revelation of your love and your patience and your forbearance and your long-suffering toward us. You know our frame, you know we're just made from the dust of the ground as you made us. And you do patiently wait 
as you invite us to yourself. Bless the word for your glory to our hearts and may we go away saying it was good to have been in the house of the Lord today. We pray and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed, he was up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, getting the law, the Ten Commandments from God. He delayed coming down. They gathered themselves together unto Aaron, Moses' brother, and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, he's been gone for 40 days. He must be dead by now. (laughs) Who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the gold earrings which are in the ears of the wives and their sons and your daughters and bring them unto me. And what did he do? They all broke it off and they threw it in the pot and it melted it down and, and they made a golden calf back to the gods of where they just left. God had done wonderful miracles, ten plagues he brought upon Egypt and the record of Egypt, even as they dig it up, they find that it failed, it faltered and went downhill real quick. This is when it happened. And they failed to remember what God had done just recently, very recently. They're out in the wilderness. They were going, heading toward the promised land of Israel, that we call it now. They failed to remember what God had done, and they said, let's go back and worship the gods we'd worshipped back there. Make us a golden calf. And Aaron, silly boy, silly brother, (laughs) did it. And, And when he made an excuse to Moses, well, I just threw it in the pot and it'll come out a golden calf. No, no. It takes work, it takes planning, you have to make a mould and everything. And when Moses come down from the mount, and Joshua was with him, Joshua said, this this, uh, sounds like a war going on down there. What's going on? The wild music? (laughs) I I like the preacher this week, he'd go, (laughs) if I go (laughs) like that, what does it mean? (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Duh. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Israel, duh. What do you think God is? He's just done this to the Egyptians and thousands of people have died. Israel provoked the Lord to anger. And in verses 6 to 10, we have the record there. They have turned aside quickly in verse 8 and the, from the way which I commanded them. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn or wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I'll make of thee a great nation. And Moses, back in the people, says, no, no, God, if you do that, you get a bad name amongst all the nations around here. You've brought them out, but you can't keep them. And so, okay, God said, no, I'll be patient with him. Over in chapter 34 of Exodus and verses 5 to 7, we read this. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and what? Long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And who will by no means clear the guilty, you won't get off 
payment has to be made, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. But there, notice, God is long-suffering. He's merciful. He, he gave them a second chance. <laughs> and, and Moses, because he was so angry with the people, when he came down, he, the commandments he threw on the ground and they busted, they broke. So Moses had to go up and got another lot of commandments. And, you know, if the people just had the ten, then the Lord put some more down, okay? <laughs> you break the law, more comes. But God is long-suffering and the golden calf. Then out in the wilderness they went and they wandered around for a little bit. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14 and verse 11, we read this. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? They're at it again. How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have shown among them? Look, we could say, how long does God have to keep on trying to reach people in this world? 6,000 years. He, he, he let them in innocence live in the garden and they sinned. He led them under human government. They sinned. He, he, he flooded the world and there's only eight people left, Noah and his family. And it got so bad, God had to do that because of the diseases and the sin. The, the, the society was in a mess. 1,656 years, was it? Am I right? About that from that creation to the flood. And then only about 400 years later, God had told them to get over all the world, fill the world, fill the with people. What did they do? Nimrod said, no, let's all stay together. You know, there's big animals out there, leaders. <laughs> and they built a tower that reached rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. And God tried. He gave them that opportunity. And, and then he chose a man called Abraham, the beginner of the Jewish nation. And he gave us the book, part of the book. And over 1,600 years, the Bible was put together. And he chose the nation. And what did they do? <laughs> They sinned and they sinned and they sinned. And here we see them sinning. as they, This nation is just beginning there in the wilderness. About two million people. How patient is God? Over and over again. And as Israel had king, no, judges first, the people would obey, then they would disobey and God would bring nations in to punish them severely. And they cry out to the Lord, forgive us, for we have sinned. And the Lord would be gracious and bring them back into the land. Over and over the cycle goes. Read Judges. And then you go to the book of King, the Kings, Chronicles. And, those, and over and over they do the same thing under the kings. And then God said, enough is enough. And he brought the Babylonians down and, and took him in 556 into captivity. You see, the Bible is easy to understand if you get the big picture and then fit all the little bits in. Then he sent his son. The Lord Jesus. Surely they'll respect my son. What did they do? We've just celebrated. They killed him. They murdered him. But all in the plan of God because that provided a salvation for us, for everyone. You see, God is long-suffering and patient. He's long-suffering with Israel here in Numbers as we're going through. It's only the second of many references. At what we term Kadesh Barnea. There the Moses and the leadership sent 12 spies in to spy out the land. This is what we know Israel today, to see what it's like. It was fruitful. One bunch of grapes held between two men. It was 
good, a good land. But the ten spies said, there's giants there. We haven't got a hope. We're little grasshoppers. And they disobeyed God. They'd seen all the miracles he'd done already in the wilderness and in Egypt, but they disobeyed. God said, well, Moses, let me burn them up and I'll start with you. No, Moses pleads again for them. And in verse 18 of Numbers 14, we read this. Verse 18, and the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. (laughs) And so we've read similar to that before, haven't we? Back in verse 6 of 34 of Exodus. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 30 says, Yet many years didst thou forbear them, and testified against them by thy spirit in the prophets. Yet would they not give ear. Have you given your ear? You know, Shakespeare said, Lend me your ears. (laughs) Remember? In school you had to learn that. I didn't. I missed it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But, But... God says, lend me your ears. And they would not give ear. Listen to what I've got to say. I love you. I don't want you to go there. You're going to get hurt if you put your hand on the stove (laughs) to the children. Therefore gavest thou them into the hand of the people of the lands. Would you rather fall into the merciful hand of God or into the hand of the people of the lands? Heathen people, unsaved people. We know not what's going to come of Australia. Whose hands might we fall into if we rebel against the Lord? If our leaders celebrate what they do? (laughs) It's like that. Do we expect any different? No. I pray that it doesn't happen. And I pray that while there's still ten righteous men in Australia, (laughs) at least there's more than that here. Remember they... Who was it pled? Abraham, was it? Yeah, don't destroy Sodom. Don't destroy Sodom. If there's there's 10 and he he went... No, he started at 40, didn't he? He went down and down. If there's there's only 30, don't destroy... No, I won't. If there's 20, no, I won't. If there's 10, and then they left off speaking to one another because Abraham... I mean, yeah, Abraham thought there was more than 10. So he stopped, but there wasn't, and fire fell. You see, <clears throat> lend your ear to God. Listen to what he says. He loves you. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to be his son or daughter and go to heaven forever. It's always a struggle when there's, we have a shortage of time, <laughs> but we won't have that in heaven. In First Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This is the writer who wrote more than half the books of the New Testament, Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. He, <clears throat> he said, this is a fa- I am the chief of sinners. I'm as bad as you get. Did he curse? Did he swear? Did he drink? Did he, you know, all the things of the flesh? No. Paul didn't do that. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a religious to the hilt. He remembered and recited the books and the Bible, the Old Testament as they had it, 
And, we, and he says, I'm the chief of sinners. Why? Because he rejected Jesus Christ. And he stood by while they stoned the first martyr of the church called Stephen and held their coats. He wouldn't put up a rock. I'm not, I, won't base, I won't lower myself to that, but I'll hold your coats. <laughs> Praise God, he heard the sermon that, that um, Stephen preached. And, it's, and you can read it too. It's in Acts chapter 7. And that never left his head. See, you can, you can run away from church. You can run away from people that talk. And I don't want to talk about that. But you can't run away from your thoughts. Once they've been planted there. And they'd been planted in Paul's head. The, the, the cries of the preaching of Stephen. The cries of Stephen as they stoned him to death and dragged him out of the city. But he couldn't get rid of the message. And then when he was going to persecute and kill Christians, he was so mad. He was so mad because this was contrary to the Old Testament Bible. He says, this is not right. And he'd heard the message. He was guilty of rejection. And on the road to Damascus, going to kill Christians up there and put them in prison, children, women, everyone, the Lord, the Lord what? Shone a light upon him. And he fell down to the ground. And it's not going to happen to you like that. The light of the word will come and be enough. And he fell down to the ground. What did he say? Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> he knew, but he wanted it confirmed. And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And what did Paul immediately do? <laughs> what will you have me to do? He completely did a 180 degree and took off for the Lord. He went into Arabia, a Bible college. Well, he did preach before he went there, but he, he knew the Bible, the Old Testament. He knew who Jesus was. He was fighting against it. Yeah, we can resist and we can resist, but we can never get rid of that thought. You know, <laughs> it's not much different to the Jews today. The Orthodox Jews today. I, I, you turned us back on, did you, Tim? Oh, good. <laughs> To the internet but um, <clears throat> the Jews today they're just like Paul <laughs> aren't they they say no Jesus is nothing to do he's not our Messiah for, you know 2,000 years they've been rejecting and God in long suffering has been waiting for them to repent it's going to take a, a big 4b2 <laughs> over their heads where two-thirds of the nation that are over there in Israel and maybe around there were two-thirds of them, it says, in this book, are going to be killed. Then they'll look up to him that has they pierced, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn as one mourns for his only child. And they, what a day it will be when the Jew comes back to Jesus, their Messiah. I'd love to be there, but I won't be. We'll be up in heaven by then. We'll be all gone. And in Romans 10, <coughs> Romans 10, and uh, verse 21, it says this. But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people. How often would he be gathered them together as a hen gathers the chickens in Matthew and ye would not. And then over in chapter 11 we'll finish with these. 
in verse 21. It says, For if God spared not the natural branches, the Jewish nation, take heed, lest he spare not thee. We've had an opportunity. We've heard the word of the Lord. We've lent our ears. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he spare, he also spared not thee. That's a warning to the church. He did that to Israel 2,000 years ago and he scattered them all over the face of the earth and they've been persecuted from every nation they've gone to. The Holocaust is the latest one. Six million of them were killed. If he spared them not, take heed, folks, that he doesn't spare us because long-suffering runs out. There has to come the judgment. And, he, and we read on there, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God, of God on them who fell severity severe punishment for 2,000 years has been the Jews. Why aren't they, like any other nation, just multiplied and big and millions of people, only 14 million Jews in the world, they say? Why aren't they? Because of the severity of God on them that fell severity. But toward thee, Christians, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. This is Bible verses. This is not what I'm saying. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, if the Jews don't abide in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. And he's going to, because he said he would. Oh, I pray that you who are listening today, whether out on the internet or here present, that you come to the Lord because... His long-suffering will run out with this world. And I wanted to get there, but we're not. We've done with time. And it's in Peter. People say, where is the promise of God? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. But this they are willingly ignorant of. And then in verse 9 it says, of that, of that passage, God is long-suffering, not willing that, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to be in heaven. But you choose, you've got a free will. You choose. Don't blame God and say, well, I'm going to hell because you, you sent me there. No, you chose to. We, chose to. we choose to. Lend God your ears. Lend him your heart. And believe on the Lord Jesus today. Because we ain't got much time left. Even if we live our life out. One day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. We read it in our Bible reading. Time's almost up. Trust the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the patience of the folks today. Thank you, Lord, that your patience is exceedingly great. Your long-suffering is wonderful. And I pray that we might avail ourselves of the opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus while we have life and breath and make a free, willing choice that we will say yes to the Lord. Please forgive me if you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead and we confess with our mouth him, we shall be saved. We don't have to join a church. We don't have to become a part of an organisation. We believe what Jesus Christ has done for us. Bless the word to each heart today. For your glory and praise, draw people to yourself. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.